The news is not good if you are in the process of chasing invoices from your customers. A latest report from Atradius, the credit insurance folks, shows that in Europe, at least, the number of days that you'll have to wait to get paid has lengthened considerably. According to their latest report, it looks, that, it looks like that world trade has shrunk about 15%. Global GDP is forecast to shrink by more than 4% this year. And insolvencies, and this is, of course, what we're interested in, are set to increase by 26%. All the while, more than 9 in 10 businesses in Europe see their uh, DSOs lengthen. In other words, the days that a particular sale uh, goes from being invoiced to actually being paid is up for most people. And according to the report, the average extension of DSOs is 12 days. And of course, Simon Littlewood, 12 days doesn't sound terribly much, but if you're already getting paid only after 40 or 50 days, well, now you're up to 60 or 70 days to see your money. Yes, um, and, and it's coming on the back of reductions in sales and, and other challenges as well, of course, delays in supply and all the, all the things that we've seen as a result of the crisis. I think the question that we're asking, we kind of knew that this was happening, although it's been delayed or disguised by government intervention of various kinds all around the world, or mainly in the West. And I think the question that we're asking partly is here in Asia, which now constitutes, by the way, a majority of the world economy, if you look at all the nations of Asia together, how bad is this going to be here? 94% of companies in Europe experiencing significant deterioration in customer payment. The impacts of that are that a significant number of companies will simply become insolvent and that other companies will have significant issues carrying on with investment, with paying their suppliers, with sustaining growth and so on and so forth. Here in Asia, we already know that there are significant cash flow issues, particularly for SMEs, because even before this crisis, the average DSO of small companies, that is companies turning over under $100 million to use the Singapore definition of SME, that DSO was progressively going up whilst large powerful companies were seeing a reduction in their DSO as they use their power in the market to manage working capital and cash flow to their advantage. That situation we now think has become dramatically exacerbated. And looking at this Atreides data from Europe, it appears it's gone very, very wrong in Europe. We anticipate it's going to go, it is already going very wrong in Asia, but we await the data with some trepidation. Yes. Well, according to, to Atreides, the um, um, while the report focuses specifically on uh, on Europe, of course, a lot of the um, uh, biggest impacts on GDP that we've seen are perhaps not surprisingly where the biggest lockdowns have been. The tougher the lockdown, the bigger the decline in GDP. I guess if that's kind of you know almost obvious. But then what that does is to uh, allow you to extrapolate what happened in Europe to other parts of the world. If the country you're listening to us from um, was under a very tight lockdown, you've probably already seen the GDP impact. And so it almost goes without saying that the amount of days that you will be left hanging by your customers is also going to lengthen, Simon. Yes, I mean, it, it, this, this has a toxic effect on the entire supply chain, inevitably. Um, and because of the way things work in business, you know, those with the least financial clout tend to suffer the most um, because they have fewer options. If you're a big, robust company, you have the ability to, to hang on to your cash. You also have the ability to raise more money, either directly from a lender or by going into the market and, and using commercial notes, all of that kind of borrowing has grown very dramatically at, at, at historically low interest rates. If you're a small company, particularly if you're a mom and pop shop, 
this is a very, very difficult situation. You've already seen a massive tail off in business. In some cases, you may have been largely prevented from doing business altogether. Um, even if you haven't been, you've seen a deterioration um, in the level of activity and in the ability of your own customers to pay you if you're B2B. We've seen this. We think it's going to get worse. We think there'll be a significant increase in insolvencies as government subsidy measures come off, which largely they are doing here in Singapore as elsewhere. And so the, the question arises, uh, am I lost or if I'm an SME, are there some practical things I can do now to guard against this? Yeah. Exactly. And that's precisely, of course, why we're here, not only with the book, Let the Cash Flow, which you can down order on Amazon, but also our portal, riabu.com. So, Simon, um, what should you do in order to stop those DSOs lengthening so that you can actually get your money in the door quicker? Well, for those of you who are experiencing immediate cash flow pressure, there are a couple of things that you should do. The first thing is, and we've talked about this a number of times, is bearing in mind what we call Pareto principles, bear in mind that a small number of customers, relatively speaking, will constitute the majority of what you're owed. Focus on getting really close to them. Find out every detail of the transaction that's gone wrong. If necessary, contact them directly. Deal with the issues and make sure you get paid. Don't be frightened into panic because you've got so many different customers. Focus on the important ones, firstly. Um, secondly, where you've got very good relationships with customers and suppliers that have gone back a long time, be frank and honest with them about your situation. They want to be in business for the long term as well. Stress that you do where appropriate. Get concessions from them on when you pay your suppliers, on how quickly your customers pay you, particularly if they're bigger companies than you. People are prepared to listen. By and large, other human beings don't want to force you out of business. And if they're a relatively large customer with deeper pockets than you, they will often help you. So don't panic, get aggressive and alienate your customer without trying very hard to square the relationship, share your issues and get them to help you. You'd be surprised how often that works, yeah? Um, the, the, yes, Simon, go ahead. The third thing is, um, forgive me, I'll just draw out the third. The third thing is you need to separate yourself from customers who are genuinely insolvent. So there'll be some companies, because everything I said previously assumes you're dealing with customers who have the ability to continue are paying somebody every month and your objective becomes to be the first in line to get paid. That is when they when they pile up the invoices that they're gonna pay this month, your invoice is in that pile. That's the objective with a solvent customer. With an insolvent customer or a customer that threatens to be insolvent, you need to heighten your intelligence gathering capabilities, use your sales force, contact your competitors because you'll be surprised how in times of stress, competitors are prepared to share more intelligence than they normally are and make sure that where you have customers who are generally at risk of insolvency, that you minimize your exposure. That is, you stop selling to them, or before you stop selling to them, you strike a deal with them based on what we call a diminishing balance principle, which is you only sell them X if the amount that they pay you in a given month is X plus a certain percentage. In other words, so that over time, if you continue to do business with them, what they owe you goes down, not up. Get them to agree to a diminishing balance agreement if you can and main, maintain it. And the moment that they don't maintain it, stop supply. There's no upside in continuing to supply an insolvent customer. Those three things will minimize your risk of continuing to supply insolvent customers. 
and they will ensure that you focus on the biggest opportunities to accelerate cash flow from your existing customers using relationship and Pareto. One final point. Uh, I'd hate to cast any aspersions on the Atreides report. Um, after all, the research seems very solid, in fact, and the frequency with which they put them out shows that they are in touch with what's happening on the ground. They do know what they're talking about. However, obviously, it's it's of interest for the credit insurance industry, as well as the collections industry, to talk up this problem. Because the next thing, of course, is that you might be saying, well, I need to buy some credit insurance. I need to uh, hire a collections agency. Um, and so the question then is, to what extent should you escape to those sort of uh, measures rather than do the three points that you elaborated on earlier? Well, we've got a whole chapter on um, working with companies like Atreides um, in the book because there definitely is a value to having a relationship with a credit insurance company. But the reality is they're not going to help if you don't have solid relationships with customers who you can depend upon to pay you. And they're not going to insure a customer who they already know is insolvent. So you need to deal with the world as it is now. In the future, if we look at the value of a company like Atreides, they have great power in the market because they have clients, many of whom are dealing with the same customers that you have. So they can, if necessary, apply pressure on those customers collectively to ensure that they up their payment performance. They can also give you access to early intelligence on which customers are in trouble, often before you can get it from other sources. So I'd be the last person to talk down the value of a credit agency. It's just that when you're in the middle or towards the end of a crisis, like you are at the moment, um, the time to take out credit insurance was about a year ago. <laughs> so by all means, look at it, but don't be deluded into thinking that you're going to get insurance for something that's effectively already lost. Yeah. Unless you have a time machine, of course. Yes. Ah, good. Yes. Yes, that will be the next uh, project uh, on the agenda. <laughs> By the way, if you'd like to download that report from Atreides Collections, just go to the description here of this podcast. We've pasted the link for you there. Or uh, if you want uh, an update on, on how to work with um, credit agencies and uh, credit insurers, by all means, look at the book. Um, it's um, Trade Credit Insurance, Section 5.2, page 131. I think it's an honest and fair look at what you can expect from credit agencies and uh, credit insurers. Thank and you. you can get the book from Amazon, Let the Cash Flow by Simon Littlewood and myself. And of course, there's also the Reable website, the Reable portal that'll help you put those points, those three points Simon mentioned into action. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Mark.